When I say can you dig it, put your two hands up like that. everyone we are back with another episode of can you dig it a podcast by silver screen and roll an sb nation lakers community you can find our work over at silverscreenandroll.com i am christian rivas here with jacob rude and that was probably the smoothest transition into your name i've done since we started this podcast yes i will you, accept i'll give you an applause on that one i will accept the applause uh but first i gotta ask how you're doing well, I watched a uh, a fun Pelicans game, but man, they're making me look bad with my prediction that they would be the team as the eight seed because they are stumbling and fumbling away. And Memphis is out here like just stealing road wins and yeah. actually looking like a competent team. And yeah, uh, I mean, both teams are really young, but Memphis is acting like um, <clears throat> you would expect a playoff team to act i was i really thought they lost five in a row two of them were to get were against sacramento i was like this seems done then starting with that laker game really they won that game and have won back-to-back games on the road and uh yeah new orleans is a mess right now they <laughs> they are falling they're, i think they're they're five games back now there's only 20 games left i think it might be toast on that i think it's going to be Portland and Sacramento fighting it out with Memphis and New Orleans just uh, hanging out back there because they cannot they cannot close games. I don't know if I'd include Sacramento in that list just because Luke Walton is the king of almost making the playoffs. Like it started with almost making a leap and then almost making the playoffs. It's just that hump he hasn't gotten over, and them not having Marvin Bagley is, is going to hurt mm-hmm. them too. I only include them because, I mean, they're tied with Portland right now for the ninth yeah. seed, and which is stunning. They've moved past the Spurs and the Pelicans. Um, I don't know where they came from, but no, I don't disagree with you. He is he is very much the king of almost. If they had, I can't remember what they started the year at. I know they started just down really bad. Yeah. yeah, if they hadn't started out like that, then. Uh, they lost their first five. Yeah, they were zero and five. Really, after that, they they kind of put it back together, eight and thirteen. But yeah, they didn't drop their first five games of the year. They they might be the team in the eight seed right now. But again, that's more almost for Luke Walton. I'd be very thrilled not to get a first round matchup with Damian Lillard. Like, I think the the games the Lakers have played against the Trailblazers this season, it's very clear that. If they have it, they're they're gonna win that series pretty easily. But by the same token, if Damian Lillard has it, it's gonna be a very interesting series. Unless LeBron James continues to pull it from the logo and do his Lillard impression. Yeah, so much for logo Lillard. It's logo LeBron now, as it should be. Like that, he has pulled up. I think in two of the last five games, just from like ridiculous range. The, uh, uh... What the first, not the one he did against the Sixers. What was the one before that where he shot it from half court, basically? I feel like it, uh, it, it was either New Orleans was a or Pelicans Boston. Game. Yeah, yeah, it was a Pelicans game. It was right after Zion dunk. That one totally 
caught me off guard. Like I, I legitimately thought like, oh, he looked at the clock wrong and thought there was like <laughs> there wasn't time left or like he pulled a JR. Yeah, like I, I just it, I could not wrap my my mind around the fact that he pulled up basically from the spot where Steph Curry hit that game winner against OKC, uh, probably like five years ago at this point. Um, it's been a minute, yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought of once it went in. Like, oh my God, Steph's the only other person I've seen pull up from that from that spot and bury it. It still doesn't make sense, but yeah. apparently he's just trying it once a game now. Which cool, <laughs> whatever whatever challenge you want, go for it. A little off topic, but it's so funny thinking about thinking back to that game because unless I'm mistaken. They were wearing the Golden State was wearing their black sleeved jerseys that night. And I think to myself from time to time, are sleeved jerseys gonna be like a hipster thing in the future the same way retro jerseys are right now? I can either confirm nor deny that I own a <laughs> sleeved Steph Curry jersey because it was super discounted when they finally stopped disc or like making the sleeve jerseys right so i grabbed one i i i definitely think those will be the hipster things <laughs> i think I, my favorite thing about that shot um is that was when espn was like doing that thing where they were lighting up the three-point line and he's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. behind it <laughs> and steph was like closer to half court than he was as a three-point line but like as the ball sailing through the air, like going past the three point line, you see the line light up. It's like thanks, ESPN. I wasn't sure if that was a three pointer or not. Yeah, I think um, I think it might be because we're soccer fans. We just don't mind the sleeve jerseys. Like those are the only jerseys I had worn. Sleeve jerseys, that is, uh, like prior to really, really getting into the NBA. So I didn't mind them. I almost bought a. Kobe Bryant, Hollywood Knights, uh, sleeve jersey. I thought I those were really those, cool. Those I have the, ones. I have the sleeveless Hollywood Knights one, and it's so funny because the only Kobe Bryant jersey I own, uh, is from the season he didn't play a game. <laughs> like he put, I don't think he played a game <laughs> in that jersey. So, uh, no, it's a. Uh, it's I do, be- I do agree that like just we're we're well off topic at this point, so yeah. we're staying on it. I do agree that. Like, one of the reasons the NBA did it is, like, it was more, I don't want to say Mark, but basically you can wear those sleeve jerseys anywhere Yeah. versus, like, sleeveless jerseys you can't really wear anywhere. Um, like, it made sense. I just don't know. And, yeah, you're right. I, I didn't mind the jerseys. I They were whatever. I didn't have strong feelings on them. But for whatever reason, other people did, and they LeBron. never really – I mean – I was ready to say LeBron was like ripping his sleeves off during games because he hated them so much. Well, he's uh he's the king, so I guess I I don't know. I guess he does whatever he wants. Um, but I'm glad I'm glad you brought up the the Pelicans and Sixers games because it is going to be an interesting next few games for the Lakers in the month of March. And I wrote an article on SilverScreenAndRoll.com that received a good amount of backlash. And I, th- I thought I'd take my time this time to, to talk to you about the potential playoff implications in March. If you think there are any, because I think the general consensus among Lakers fans that I've seen 
is they don't think anything counts for anything until April. Mm. I mean, I wouldn't go that far. I do think this is a very special, basically the next 10 games, um, all the way to the Toronto game. Um, it's a very kind of special stretch where we're going to find out a lot about this team. I know Pete a couple times at Laker film room has been calling it kind of the playoff dress rehearsal, um, which is fair because he, the first uh, three, seven games of this stretch are all against playoff teams right now. Yeah. Um, did I, without having looked too closely, I can't imagine that they've had a stretch like this. Maybe in December they did, but um, I can't imagine a stretch quite like this one. And especially considering it's Milwaukee and the Clippers back to back to start it off. Yeah, that is tough. And I think the, I did get some fair criticism on my, on my piece about the Lakers being 0-1 against the Bucks and that coming at the end of a road trip where, you know, everybody was a little banged up and the, the game wasn't, it's not like it was a blowout. The The Lakers held their own. Uh, I believe the game ended one twenty three to one eleven. Oh wait, sorry, no. One eleven one four. Yeah, looking at the wrong schedule. Uh, but yeah, it, it it definitely wasn't a blowout game. Uh, Giannis was playing out of his mind that game. Just mm-hmm. seemingly couldn't miss a three. And if Giannis is making threes with the shooters they have on that team, they're a tough team to beat. Uh, but yeah, I I agree. I think, to be if yeah. you in five, <laughs> but I agree that the they haven't seen a, a month like this this season, at least not where they are, like at at, at this stage of the season. Because if you if you were to look back at their January December schedule, which I think is the the closest they've they've gotten to to where they're going to be at. It, it was still a relatively new team. Uh, the Lakers have added pieces since, and other teams around the league have added piece in, pieces since, most notably the Clippers with Reggie Jackson and Marcus Morris. Um, but with the, with a month until the playoffs, I think you start to get a good idea of who you are and who your opponent is. And the biggest thing I've heard from from listening to the fans is they seem to think that you can't play regular season games with playoff intensity and like set the stage for, for that kind of matchup. And I disagree because you look at the last two matchups LeBron James has had with Zion Williamson. And as we talked about at the top of the show, the Pelicans might not even be a playoff team. It's just, that's just the way as a competitor you get playing against, you know, the best of the best. And regardless of whether or not you think Zion Williamson is that, uh, LeBron James certainly seemed to think so, and his and his play showed that. So, to to say that they wouldn't play with a playoff like intensity, or you know, to use uh, uh, Pete's comparison, like a dress rehearsal uh, against the Bucks or the Clippers, I think it's a little it's a little um, ignorant, for lack of a better word. Yeah, I agree. I mean, nothing is like the playoffs in terms of the intensity and just being in a series where everything's game plan toward that one specific team. So, I mean, I do understand that regard, but that doesn't make every regular season game meaningless. Um, 
And these two games are going to mean something. I mean, just think about how different the narrative around the Lakers would be if they hadn't collapsed basically in the fourth quarter on Christmas against right. the Clippers. Um, we'd, I'm, <clears throat> I know I would, and I, I would imagine I speak for most uh, Laker fans that we would feel a lot better about this team if they were one and one against the Clippers instead of zero and two. Um, but I think these two games do mean something just if nothing else in terms of kind of morale, just on that note, because um, these are the two teams that you're going to have to go through. If you want to win a title, the Clippers are probably going to be the team as we've talked a lot about on here in the Western conference finals and Milwaukee um, has been the best team in the league. And, it looks like they're just going to steamroll the Eastern Conference and be waiting on whoever in the finals. So um, if you go 0-2 against these teams, 0-2 against Milwaukee on the year, um, you'll have clinched that you'll lose the series against the Clippers in this. It's going to sting a little bit. Um, I think the thing that I'm most intrigued by with this is that, like, the Lakers are kind of – out of excuses with the circumstances surrounding the games like that. When you look at the first Clipper game, I think as we said, uh, the podcast afterwards, and as we look back on it more and more, that was just a weird game. Oh, absolutely. Um, And it was played at like a playoff intensity and the Lakers were nowhere near ready for that. Um, So that one was kind of a weird game. You mentioned the Milwaukee game came at the end of a, a long road trip and the Lakers just kind of looked out of it for most of the game. And um, they made a big run to get the game close. But as we said, Giannis was just bearing threes and there's nothing you can really do there. Um, and then that the other Clipper game was on Christmas, which is always a bit of a kind of a spectacle. Um, these two games are... They're not on a road trip. They're both at home. There's mm-hmm. no kind of holidays around them. They're both regular, normal games. And they're both in Staples Center. The Clippers game's technically a road game. Um, but these are games where I think the Lakers need to take care of business. Um, I would say at the very least, they need to win one of these games. Um it would be a tough pill to swallow. We kind of mentioned the uh, 10 games coming up. I mean, honestly, if they went 8-2 and two and lost both games to the Bucks and Clippers, would you feel any different about this team? Um, Boy. What I, I, I just think, like, I find it really hard to believe, and I, I tweeted this the other day, if the Lakers, uh, the Bucks series I'm less worried about, only because, you know, you get two shots at the Bucks, you lose two of them. As long as they're competitive, I think you're fine. Against the Clippers, if you get swept, like, if, if the Clippers sweep 4-0 against the Lakers, I think that is a bad sign. Just because <laughs> it's not you, a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think by, by the third time or fourth time, if you're the Lakers, especially with that, with the narrative around Kawhi and PG being the best duo in LA and, you know, just it being your city. If by that third game, 
you're not getting up and playing with playoff level type intensity. Like obviously regular season, the real thing's going to be in, in a few months. They're hoping you don't play your guys 42 minutes at, at full speed. I understand that completely, but to lose to them four times and, and, and assuming the Clippers are playing at the same intensity, like at 98%, not exactly 100%, 98%. I think at that point you, you start to wonder why they haven't pulled away this game. Like at that point you do your best to, to put your tinfoil hat on and figure out like, Maybe the Lakers are throwing these games because they want to catch the Clippers by surprise in the playoffs. And and that those are things I have seen in my mentions that the, the Lakers are, uh, you know, saving themselves for, for when it really matters. And Frank Vogel is going to have a few tricks up his sleeve. Rondo's playing at this speed because, you know, he's, oh. he's going to turn it in time, turn it up in time for the playoffs. And I'm just like, maybe, I can't tell you you're wrong because it hasn't happened yet. But to lose four, four games and four tries to the Clippers, I think I think it's a little concerning. And I think it would be different if on paper, with the amount of talent the Lakers have, if you can if you could confidently look at the roster the Lakers have, compare it to the Clippers, Bucks, you know, whoever, and say, well, doesn't matter it, like too bad that we lost because I know we have the talent and I know we're a good matchup against them. Cause that was the case with, with Houston and golden state golden state and Houston went back, back and forth in the regular season series and in the playoffs, like, but golden state and golden state fans always had to hang their, like were always able to hang their hat on. We have Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, mm-hmm. Draymond green and Andre Iguodala. Like the Lakers as talented as they are and as talented as LeBron James and Anthony Davis are, do not have that. Like if you, if you, and I've said this before, if you rank the most talented players in the Lakers and Clippers one to 29, cause the, the actually, no, it's uh 28 cause both teams are at 14. Um, I think the Clippers probably have more players in the top 10. That'd be interesting. Um, they're definitely a, I think, yeah, they'd definitely be a deeper team. Um, I think the other thing about this that makes it interesting is basically both teams are at full strength, mm-hmm. and the Clippers have been um, for a while now, about a couple weeks, maybe a week, um, which is not something they've been able to say most of the year, but. Uh, and kind of going off the what I was just saying about all the circumstances around the game, the last game of the year or the last game between these two is going to be that back to back to back for the Lakers. And I don't have a clue how they're going to treat that. They might have the first seed locked up by that point and just not play LeBron and AD or, or something. Um, so, yeah, I think this Clipper game means a lot. Um I think probably as much as a regular season game can mean. Um, again, the playoffs are a different animal, a different beast. Um, if these two teams meet in the playoffs, LeBron and AD's minutes are going to be probably near 40, if not over. 
Um, I don't think that'll be the case on Sunday when they play, but um, so in that aspect, those types of things are different. Um, in playoff series, you do literally whatever you can to get the win that night. Whatever's working, you go with that. And that may not be the case with a regular season game. Um, I think the other thing I'll be interested in seeing is not just in that Clipper game, but in this kind of 10-game stretch is how uh, Vogel kind of handles the rotations. Yeah, um for sure. Because I know there's been some talk about it. They really don't have a set five. They never have this season. It's just really been AD, LeBron. And whoever's playing well. Yeah, I was going to say most of the time Danny Green, but really not always. And then, yeah, whichever three role players are playing well. um, It's kind of a blessing and a curse because the Lakers do have a lot of role players. And just by kind of law of averages, you would imagine three of them are having a a good night at some point. But it may uh, end up being a group of – three role players or a group of five, a lineup of five that haven't really played together a whole lot and may not be all that comfortable, may not fit what, like if it's a night where it's Kuzma and Markeith Morris and Dwight or something like that, that lineup doesn't really fit with um, LeBron and AD. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how Vogel uses um, his rotations, whether he, tries to set in more of a a five-man group um, to close some of these games. I really hope Caruso gets healthy. It didn't sound like he was too worried about his injury after after the first game he set out, but then he set out another game. Um, So I hope he's available for these games because I think most times he's going to be one of those guys that closes games. Um, He's an important part of this team and this rotation, so – but that's another thing I'll be watching is um, how the rotations play out, especially in the fourth quarter and especially to close games. If it's a five-man unit that kind of starts to separate itself or if we just keep doing like we're, we've been doing and ride the hot hand and uh, just play it game to game to see who's playing best. Yeah. I, I, if you had to name a player – who's going to be the X factor in this stretch of games or even the postseason? Um, who would you say that is? That's interesting. Um, part of me, I, I feel like Kuzma is probably a pretty easy guess, but we talk about him so much. I think one of them is going to be uh, Danny Green, honestly. Um he, I don't think he's shot the ball quite as well as we expected him to this season. Um, but he's such a streaky shooter. He's shooting 37.8% from three. He's such a streaky shooter that he'll have stretches where he gets hot. And we saw in the playoffs last year where he's like red hot. Um, he's a really good defender. I I do think once the playoffs come that he will find his way into most of those five-man lineups, just if nothing else, because defensively he is really good. Um, 
And so if he can knock down shots, I won't, I, I would look it up. I think he shot like almost 50% from three last year during the playoffs. Um, I don't suspect he's ever going to shoot that well. But if he can get hot at the right time, um, he's really him and I think KCP are really the only kind of shooters the Lakers have like that. Um, and honestly, I think you can make an argument for KCP kind of being the X factor as well um, because they both provide the the Lakers with a lot of shooting. Um, maybe it was just the finals last year. I remember him just being red hot last year um, during a stretch Yeah, because he only shot 32.8% from three in the playoffs. Um, Danny Green did, but yeah, I think he would, he would be the guy I'd pick just because there isn't really anybody on the Lakers that can replicate what he does. Um, and especially defensively, he's such a good defender. Yeah. And I, I think how he does on Kawhi Leonard, assuming he's defending Kawhi Leonard or Paul George is going to be huge for the Lakers. Like I think he did a pre- pretty decent job on him in, in the few games that they've played. I, I don't want to see KCP on Kawhi again. I really, really don't. Uh, and yeah, by any means necessary, avoid that matchup. I guess that'd be another interesting thing to watch is see how it would. It's really only going to probably play out in that Clipper game, but see how they defend Kawhi and PG because, like you said, and like we've talked about a lot, KCP isn't that guy. But they didn't really get anyone to be that guy. Um, I don't know that you can keep trotting out KCP on Kawhi because. Both, both games they've done it, it hasn't worked. So do they put Kuzma on them? Do they put, do they try Markeith Morris? Um, I don't really know what the answer is. I mean, you're never going to stop Kawhi. It's more of just kind of slowing things down or making things difficult for him. Kuzma's had, had some moments this year defensively. I thought he defended Tatum well yeah. in that Boston game. Um so I don't know that that'll be interesting to see Giannis. I, I don't even know how you do, de- how they defend Giannis. I mean, I think in a playoff series, LeBron would guard him a lot, which I guess is another difference from the playoffs in the regular season. Cause I don't imagine LeBron is going to be on Giannis a whole lot um, on Friday. So I'm just, I'll, I'll be interested to see how they defend um Kawhi in that matchup because please don't keep trotting Casey. <laughs> yeah, I think the the X factor for me isn't exactly a player. It's it's going to be those non LeBron minutes, and I think it starts with uh, Kyle Kuzma. Just because I wrote, I wrote an article the other day that was kind of a spicy take that the Lakers need to be playing Kyle Kuzma more, uh, and it really is. Maybe I should have said the Lakers need to be playing Anthony Davis at center more. Uh, but I, I said Kyle Kuzma specifically just because if you're going to play fast in the postseason, I think the one thing Kyle Kuzma has done well since he came into the league 
is not shoot. He hasn't he hasn't shot well. Like the the season he had his rookie year is the one time in his entire career he just shot above league average from from three. What Kuzma's been good at since he came into the league is making decisions in transition and while going downhill in the half court. That's what's like the footwork that we talk about or that we used to talk about with Kuzma and, and how polished he is offensively stems from him attacking the basket that way. So if the Lakers are going to play fast with LeBron James at point, I really think you need Kyle Kuzma and Anthony Davis running that fast break. Cause I, I honestly, I think Mark Keith Morris is a fine player. Uh, it's just in those situations. I think Kyle Kuzma is better. I, I also think Kuzma's, Spatial awareness is is just better. Like the way he moves off ball, I may be reading too much into it, but it, it just doesn't look like LeBron and AD trust him to take those shots anymore. Like whenever Kuz is open, I think they look for the next best shot. That's just been my takeaway from from watching them play lately. And I, I honestly don't even think Kuz trusts himself to take those so shots. I was ready to say, I don't think Kuzma has much confidence in the shot at this point either. Yeah, because he's passed up a few open ones. Um, and whether or not you attribute that to him overthinking what playing championship basketball means uh, or just him not having confidence in his shot, it's just not there. Uh, but if, if you're talking about a guy that in a playoff series when LeBron James or Anthony Davis get doubled is going to make himself available to put the ball in the basket, Kyle Kuzma is that guy. And he's shown some playmaking instincts when attacking the basket, whether it's a drop off to AD or a, or a kick out to, you know, one of the Lakers shooters. Uh, I think he has the potential to be a difference maker on offense on defense. It really is going to be a team effort with that second unit. Cause you think about the guys they are going to be rolling out. Rondo's going to be playing like 20 minutes a game. Like he has also <sighs> Caruso has floated around 20 minutes this season. Um, then you got KCP, Kuzma, Markeith, and Dwight Howard. Don't know how they're going to sort that rotation out, but finding the right, like, and I'm talking the perfect balance of offense and defense with that unit is going to be crucial because with, with the positives, Kuzma and, you know, I... <laughs> I guess you could argue Rondo in his ball handling. The pluses they have on offense are it, it it just doesn't make up for what they bring, like what they give up on the defensive end. So you really need a strong defensive unit out there. And I'm hoping between Marquise and Kuzma, their their glaring hole on the wing will be less glaring than it's been in the past. So I mean that's I my X factor. I, I don't disagree. Um, I know the Lakers have been better in some of the non-LeBron minutes. It's hard to look it up because they played was the Warriors without LeBron, and like everybody's going to look good against the Warriors. Um, so the numbers uh, are a little weird now if you just try to look up minutes with LeBron off the court. Um, one thing on Kuzma, I saw somebody mention on Twitter, I... I don't remember who it was. I apologize. I can't give credit. But when looking at um, 
his three-point shooting. So here in college, he was a 30.2% three-point shooter. First year in the league was 36.6. Last year was 30.3, and this year is 30.8. So basically only one of those is the outlier. And I think we've been waiting for him to get back to that form of his rookie season when maybe that was just the exception. Um, we've, I know we've talked a lot about him. I think he still provides some value, um, in other areas, especially at the, at what he costs, um, that I still think, and I don't disagree with the premise that they need to play him more. Um, but I I just thought that was interesting to to look at. Um, it may just be that for whatever reason, starting in that summer league, he got red hot and carried it out through a year and reverted to form since. Um, the other thing, I mean, we've talked around them, but the other thing that'll be interesting to see is how AD and LeBron play in these uh, in this stretch of game and in these. Yeah these Milwaukee and uh, Clippers games, LeBron in a lot of these uh, bigger games, the Milwaukee and Clippers games, um, I think defenses have kind of dared him to shoot more um, and sagged off him a bit, especially on ball screens. They went under the ball screens a lot um, and tried to force him to become a shooter. Uh, We started the podcast talking about him, pulling up from uh, the logo. Um, We don't quite need him to do that, but I do think that he'll have to shoot the ball well, um, shoot the ball better than he has in those games. Um, Because in none of those games, I was going to try to pull it up, but my computer's going slow. But in none of those games, he shot the ball particularly well. I don't think he's played particularly well in any of the Bucks or Clippers games so far. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, seems like he's been a bit more engaged. Um, the first Clipper game, he shot seven and 19, one of five from three. Oh God. Uh, the second Clippers game, he shot nine of 24 from the field and two of 12 from three. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. And then the Milwaukee game, he was eight of 19 from the field and three of seven from three. He did have a triple double that game, but, yeah. um, so, yeah, he hasn't sh- really shot that well in any of these games. So that'll be interesting to watch to see. I would imagine the defenses are still just going to make him shoot the ball. Right. Um, and he'll need to knock down shots. And then AD has been kind of interesting in some of these uh, these games too, especially the Clippers games. He's kind of disappeared, to be honest, in the fourth quarters of those games. Um the that first game, like we said, for whatever reason, they were just going to him repeatedly in the post, um, which is something they've hardly, I don't know that they've done at all the rest of the season, which just kind of showcases how weird that game was. Um, the other Clipper game, I want to say he only took one shot or maybe two shots in the fourth quarter. Um, and... The Milwaukee game, he did play really well. I do remember that. He had 36 points that night. 
He was 0-6 from three, but he got to the line 17 times. He had some big shots that game. Um, he's been playing really well of late. That Philly game, he absolutely barbecued Al Horford over and over and over. <laughs> I almost felt bad for Al Horford um, because he was just manhandling him. Um, I was joking with a buddy of mine who's a, a Sixers fan. Uh, he he was joking and said that Brett Brown must be leaving um, Al Horford out there until he asked to be benched, to come <laughs> off the bench uh, going forward because Anthony Davis was just destroying him. Um, so I hope that's a sign of what's to come in these next two games because um, I think both both of the guys, especially the Clippers game, they need to play better than what they have in the previous Clippers games. Um, and LeBron needs to play better than he has in these big, uh, big games, because at the end of the day, as we said, it kind of started it. These are the two teams that we're going to have to go through to win a title. Um, so, and I, again, as we kind of stated, this doesn't, this doesn't mean a whole lot when it comes to playoff implications, but uh, for morale, for confidence, just the narrative around the team, you'd feel a lot better about this team if they were able to come away with these wins in both these games. Yeah. How uh, if you if you had to look at one other game on this schedule in March uh, about a team you'd really like to see them um, just come out and punch the other team in the mouth, what, what, which game would you say that is? Um, my initial first thought was Houston. Um, just because they've been playing so well. That yeah, looking at the schedule, I think it'd either be Houston or Toronto. Houston, Toronto, yeah, yeah. That Toronto game the first time around was frustrating. Um, they tried like hell to make a comeback in the fourth quarter, but um, the lead got was basically too big. That was an ugly game, and for whatever reason, they've struggled with Toronto at, in Los Angeles the last couple of years. A lot of teams um, have struggled with Toronto this season. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's very fair. Toronto's really good. They've flown under the radar. Um, but I, I think the Houston game is probably where I would go to because – I mean, on paper, the Lakers have a perfect kind of answer to this small ball thing the Rockets are doing. But we saw that first time they got, like, really infatuated with getting AD the ball in the post. Uh, that's about the only other time that they've really done it other than that Pelic- or the Clippers game to start the year. Um, I don't think either Dwight or JaVale hardly played at all in that game. And it's going to be really hard to play them. Yeah. Um, in those games, I know the, <clears throat> the jazz tried to put the go bear, um, on Russell Westbrook as kind of an answer to that. Didn't, it didn't go. Yeah. I was yeah. going to say it didn't go well. Um, in that first or the last game against the Rockets, Dwight played four minutes. JaVale played 16 minutes and AD played 40 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I would say that'd be the other one I, I, I want to watch out for because I still don't really know what I think about this Rockets small ball thing. I still am not, I don't think it would work in the playoffs, but 
again, know, in, man. yeah, in theory, the, the Lakers have the flexibility to match up with them um, and give them problems, but I'll be interested to see in how they handle it this time around. Jacob, Milwaukee on Friday, Clippers on Sunday. Give us your last uh, minute predictions before we go. I think we beat the Clippers. Um, I think they're tired of losing to the Clippers. I think they're probably tired of hearing Patrick Beverly talk. Um, I'm not as confident in Milwaukee (laughs) because they're just like a rolling death machine right now. Um, so I would say they lose to Milwaukee and beat the Clippers. Um, boy, I really don't want to sound like a pessimist. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll go, I will also go one and one, but a very reluctant one and one, just because I think, uh, Clippers are a really good team, man. And I, I, I will say though, I think this, these next two games will definitely tell us what holes the Lakers need to fill in their roster. And they do have an open roster spot. Uh, I just saw a report that the Rockets are working out on Bob Mute. Uh, so that's, that's interesting. So Let Jeff Green go and we'll scoop him up. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's, that's our show for the week. Um, hopefully by next time they could be three and O and have clinched a spot in the 2020 NBA playoffs. For all the doom and gloom we talked about on this podcast, <laughs> that is still uh, something that's in play this weekend. So uh, hopefully good, good, good things to talk about next week. Uh, until then, leave us a nice little review on podcasts, and uh, we'll, we'll, uh, you'll hear from us next time.